This is the Australian Surrogacy Podcast. My name is Sarah Jefford and I'm a surrogate and a surrogacy lawyer. This is part two of my interview with Felicity, who is a parent through surrogacy. If you haven't listened to part one, you might like to go back and listen to that one first. And otherwise, here is Felicity. October transfer, I was at work and Christy and her husband, Jared, they flew from where they live um, out to California and they went in for their transfer. Christy had already been a surrogate before, so she was quite familiar with the clinic itself, but not my doctor, Dr. Boostenfar. And so she had her transfer. She sent me some photos of a little koala that we sent her. Incidentally, she collects koala stuffed toys. So it was another little, mm. oh, Aussies, yep, this all works. So she sent me photos of her with the koala and she said, for some net reason, I've nicknamed him Roo, as in kangaroo but I realise he's a koala, so don't laugh at me. <laughs> Sent me photos and she said, I'm feeling good, doing everything that they need. And, and of course, she was on a, a medicated cycle in the US, which is something that they do pretty stringently over there as well. And so, yeah, she was feeling good, had a couple of days bed rest in LA, then flew home. And then over the next couple of weeks, beta tests came up. And we did like a, a price is right to try to guess the number because Christy had already been sending me a couple of, sneaky pre-test photos of I see a line do you see a line I see a line <laughs> and I'd say to my husband do you see a line he's like I'm not doing this I'm not doing this the amount of times you've stuck something you've peed on in front of my face and saying have a really close look like right up close he's like I'm not doing it anymore I'm like what's the photo it's not the same thing he's like no I'm not doing it just tell me if it's good in the end and so yeah we got to the point of price is right and I don't remember who won because it was inconsequential. The point was we got the first beta back and it was in the thousands and we were stoked. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Um, how was the pregnancy given that you're in one country and your surrogate's in another? What was that like? Difficult, but also I think because of the closeness of our relationship, quite easy. Um, I think because Christy and I spoke very regularly, she and I were on the same page throughout everything. I think it was more difficult for my husband because he wasn't involved in those pretty much daily conversations. It was harder for him to, to really keep a, a finger on the pulse of the pregnancy, so to speak. Um, certainly, and I think many intended parents have a fear of ultrasounds after experiencing pregnancy loss. It was no different. He did not want to uh, view a, a Skype ultrasound for fear of what if it's like it was before mm. and that's totally okay totally okay so christy knew that up front we spoke about it early on and so i would skype all of the appointments and she'd try to get the angle right and then the doctors would try to move the screen and then there'd be connection problems and then we'd call back and get all done but it all worked out and it was wonderful because all the doctors knew it was a surrogacy. All the doctors knew they're from Australia. They're calling, oh, my God, is, are the kangaroos outside? What's happening? I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, just show me the baby. And I'm like, okay, well, here's your baby. And it was beautiful because I knew I couldn't have the baby anymore and I knew that Christy could. And even though it was a commercial arrangement, I absolutely know that her intentions were altruistic at the heart of it because she wanted to do this for someone. Christy is a foster mum as well as a surrogate, three-time surrogate with us. We were her third IPs and she's foster mum, has been fostering for several years now. So it's, it's just part of her, I think. And, yeah, being involved in the pregnancy, every step of the way, 
she'd message me in the middle of the night and say, your baby wants ice cream. <laughs> Do you mind if I sit here with a couple of pints? And I'd message back it because she'd it'd be 2 a.m. her time. So something like 11 a.m. our time. And I'd say, yep, totally cool. I'm just going to skip off work, go to Coles and get myself some ice cream so we can sit and eat ice cream together. And that's how we did it basically. Um, did again, you fly I, over there for scans? Yes. So we flew over for 20 weeks for a non-diagnostic scan which was a big deal for Pete because he was very nervous about it all. And it was the first time we met Christy and her family face to face. So very nerve wracking to think maybe she thinks I'm someone I'm actually not. And she's going to find out I am an imposter. (laughs) Just like when you're meeting someone online and you meet them for the first time, you worry just that little bit. And then we met them and it was just like, we've come home. So we've come to their house and they've offered us tea and we're thinking, okay, well, tea must mean, you know, like English breakfast tea. Like, no, we're talking sweet tea. <laughs> but they're um, Midwestern. So sweet tea at 11 o'clock at night. We're like, yeah, totally. Is it sweet enough for you? No, no. Add another pint of sugar in there. <laughs> so yeah, we stayed for the 20-week the scan together. And they're such beautiful people. They gave up their master bedroom for us. What was insane because I thought, well, you're pregnant. You need this. She's like, no, you've just come off a huge flight. You're sleeping in here. And I think that just, it's just really indicative of how beautiful Christy is. So yeah, we went for the 20 week scan, had a great week with their family, getting to know their kids and their foster baby. And yeah, then Pete and I went on to a couple of other States while we're there and came home. And then you returned for the birth. Yes, we did. Made it just in time. Oh, wow. Well, tell me about that. How early did you need to get there to make sure you were there in time? Well, we had planned to arrive two weeks before the due date. We were due on the 24th of June and we figured we'll get there two weeks before so we can get settled, get rid of jet lag, get everything organised, plan our routes, plan our days, get paperwork sorted. And then Chrissy was having her last few scans And at the time, it was ridiculously hot weather where she was, like 42 degree days. And parking was a bit of a nightmare. And she had a a nine-month-old foster baby in tow. So for one of her scans, she had to park a couple of blocks away. And she's carrying the baby. And she's pregnant. And she's trying to make her appointment without being late. So when she gets there, her blood pressure was a bit high. I totally get it. Her OB said, no. (laughs) You are in danger here because you've got an elevated blood pressure. We want to induce you two weeks early. And so that's what we're going to do. So Christy and I were messaging saying, uh, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. We'll be fine. They're saying, no, you need to come over. So they booked the inducement. Mm. I told Pete, Pete's freaked out. Mm. Bless my husband being a project manager. He got everything organized on time. We arrived in their state at 11 p.m., The night before induction, we drove to the hospital six hours later at 5am, arrived at quarter to six, induced at 8am, birthed at midday. Wow. Yeah. So it was one way to have a baby. That's a whirlwind. Yeah. We got there very, very timely. (laughs) Only 13 hours after arriving, you've got a baby in your arms. Yeah. What was the birth like? Quick. Unbelievably quick. And, um, it was Christy, her husband, myself and Christy's mum in the room. And Christy was just talking through it. And, and the boys were on their phones or talking football or something, I don't know. And Christy and her mum and I were sort of 
talking together and as Christy would have a contraction, I'd immediately get tense and sort of look to her like, what can I do? Anything you want. And we already knew rules in, in the birthing suite were no um, lip smacking, which in US terms is like making random noises with your mouth, like none of that because it would just annoy her. Um, no food, nothing else. So I'm already thinking, okay, I'm not lip smacking. I'm not eating. She's got a drink. Everything's fine. And her mum's like, just calm down. Like, just calm down. Everything's fine. And then the nurses would come in every so often and be like, no, nope, not dilated quite enough. And then Christy had a really big contraction, which for her was just a long period of silence and clenched fists. And then she said, oh, that was a big one. Can you just call the nurse in to see how I'm doing? So we call the nurse in. The nurse is like, oh, yeah, hi, how are you doing? No, I think it'll still be a few hours yet. And lift up again. Going to call the doctor now. And it was immediate. 30 seconds later, doctor in the room. And then two minutes later, baby Jackson was born. Wow. Just like that. Congratulations, baby Jackson. So how old is he now? Jackson is nine and a half months. The light of my life. Mm -hmm. And just last night, actually, in one of his little, I'm deciding to be awake at 11 o'clock at night, whether you like it or not, mum. I'm giving him a cuddle in the, the glider and he pulls away, takes out his dummy, looks directly at me and goes, mum, mum, and then grabs my arm and nuzzles right in. Oh. And I just thought, oh, my goodness. You have me wrapped around that tiny little baby finger of yours. <laughs> Absolutely wrapped around the finger. So what I want to know about is after the birth, what was it like in terms of the, the postnatal period for you and for uh, Christy? I think it was actually really great. We were staying with Christy and Jared again, which was a beautiful thing because Christy loves babies, obviously. And she really loved that her, our journey as compared to her last two, she was still there for Jack's first days and first weeks. And I loved it as well because, I mean, the, the first thing that, and this is, this is actually one of the differences between Australia and, and the US. In Australia, I know it's a very important thing for the surrogate to first have the baby and the moment of passing over the baby to IPs is something which holds a great weight for surrogates. Completely understand and I think that's beautiful. In the US, they're very much this is your baby, take your baby straight away. So I was first to hold Jack and Pete announced it's, it's a boy, but he took his time. So the doctor's actually saying, Pete, come on, she's waiting. And she's like, oh yeah, it's a boy. <laughs> and then there's a video of me fist pumping, which is kind of cute. But yeah, I have Jack and then passed him to Christy afterwards. But in the weeks following birth, Christy was there. She was able to hold him and hear him and smell him. And she was expressing for him as well which was great because there was no issues with transport and storage and things. She'd say, well, I'm just going to excuse myself for a little while here and then here you go, guys. Here's some beautiful colostrum for you. Give that to that baby now. And it was like a really big family nest. And not having mum and dad there, I wouldn't say that Christy and Jared took on the responsibilities of my parents, but it really felt like having that extra step beyond Pete and I, it just felt even more of a homecoming with Jack to that first time of we're bringing you into a house instead of a hotel room or a rented place. This is a home and you're loved by so many. And yeah, it was really it's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. And it's so lovely to hear that when it's a commercial arrangement overseas, because I guess people have different ideas about what it is when you do overseas surrogacy and to know that you can actually still have that beautiful relationship and yeah. Uh, such a positive experience, even though you're actually in another country. 
You can. I think commercial surrogacy generally gets a bad rap because of so many cases where it goes wrong. Mm. And everyone always remembers the bad stories, human nature, I suppose. But the good stories do happen. Mm. I think they happen far more frequently than we imagine. And when they do happen, I think they're so much better than the bad stories. Yep. And look, it's, it's often the headlines are the, the bad stories. Exactly. Which is sad. And I wish we could do headlines in Australia of all the great surrogacy stories that happen right here in Australia. Mm. Equally, I wish we could do the same with overseas. Overseas. Um, so when you flew back to Australia, tell me about the process for bringing Jackson back. Did you need a lawyer for that process? God, no. <laughs> Definitely not. And believe me, when we were investigating Canada, we had a lot, or not a lot, but a couple of lawyers who were very determined in saying, you need us. You definitely need us. And I'm very grateful that I was bacteria on the information again and worked out that, no, I don't. I'm an intelligent enough person. I can read. And I'm pretty sure I can fill in some forms. I'm pretty sure I've got internet access. I can do this myself. So your advice to intended parents that are going overseas to try and do most of that stuff themselves rather than getting a lawyer involved? Definitely. I think having a lawyer involved in coming home from overseas, let me rephrase this just a sec. If you're going overseas for surrogacy, you've inevitably spent a whole lot of money already. Outside of surrogacy, you've got airfares and accommodation and everything else that goes with that. You don't want to tack on another $10,000 for someone just to file some paperwork for you. No excuse for if you're tired and jet lag, whatever. You can do that so simply. Coming home from the US, passports are a little bit of a worry in the US because you're coming home on a US passport. But once you've got that appointment in the passport centre, be it Dallas, LA or Washington, if you're there on time, you've got all the paperwork, you're in and out in 10 minutes. They make it so quick and easy. That's the purpose of it. Once you get home to Australia, you've already got your visa from online. Everything's online through Home Affairs now. You can just front up to customs, have your passports, your visas there, and you're in. So you brought Jackson out of America on an American passport and then into right. Australia on a visa? Yes, US. And American passport. Yeah, US passport, Australian visa. Great. So then when you uh, got him into Australia, you would have then had to apply for citizenship by descent? Yes, that's right. And you just did all of that online? Yes, that's right. We did all of that online. No need for a migration agent. If you really wanted to, you could pay a migration agent to do it. But I, again, you're paying $5,000 for someone to sit in front of a computer and fill in some forms. And yet, if you're jet lagged, you can do it at 3am in your pyjamas while you're breastfeeding, or sorry, while you're bottle feeding baby, and it's done. It's a couple of weeks wait, and I think in different times of the year, it can get longer. And of course, you want to include as much paperwork as you can to support your claim of um, biological relationship. But it does happen, you get the paperwork, and you're done. You don't need someone to do it else for, to do it for you. So forward, would you have any particular advice for other intended parents, perhaps uh, that are thinking about overseas surrogacy and are in the starting stage of doing that? Talk to as many agencies and as many lawyers and as many clinics as you are comfortable in doing and find someone who ticks the boxes in terms of what they deliver for the right cost and that gives you 
a happy feeling inside, the, the gut feeling of knowing that you can trust this person. If you don't feel confident in being able to do a lot of the groundwork stuff in the US, like finding a place to stay or working out how to get to and from hospitals or even driving in the US, your agency can help with that. Talk to them and ask them that in the beginning about we're paying you X amount of dollars as our agency. What can you do to help us in that? and use them as much as you can for it to take that stress out of the picture. Mm. Lawyers overseas, they will always get everything done really, really quickly and really, really easy for you. In most cases, they will hold escrow for you, which you will need for any transfers to pay anything to do with your surrogate overseas, for clinic, for medications, for um, reimbursement for maternity clothes. It all gets processed through escrow, so it's tracked. You don't need to find a specific escrow company to do that. Your lawyers can do that for you or attorneys, as they're called in the States. How did you go getting Medicare and Centrelink and that sort of thing for, for you and Jackson? Pretty easy. Once we had citizenship, it was, again, just doing it all online. And obviously, Centrelink don't make it easy with a few things, but with persistence, it can work. And um, there have been some really helpful things within the Facebook um, surrogacy group tips and tricks when dealing with Centrelink which have they'll be invaluable to anyone in surrogacy be it overseas or Australia really really helpful to know that there is a process for everything unfortunately the 3,000 public servants who work for Centrelink may not be across the entire handbook but if you know the address of the handbook online you can tell them and they'll, they'll be able to get it done for you so any any other last tips or things to say about your journey if you're planning to go overseas and coming back with baby, try to book your flights separately as opposed to a return trip. It's just a little um, logistical thing. We found it, we booked as a return trip and it was very difficult to add Jack as a second passenger or third passenger coming home because it was already in the system as two passengers. So we actually had to cancel the second leg and rebook it as a single, which ended up being a double cost for us. So if you can book it single, it may be more expensive in the first run of its X amount of dollars compared to Z amount, but you'll save time coming back in making sure that all three of you can come back in mm. and you'll be able to book the seats with the bassinet in front. So that was the end of my interview with Felicity. And as you could tell, she has so many insights for intended parents who are thinking about surrogacy, whether it's in Australia or overseas. I think it's worth taking on board all of her tips if you need to get in touch with me, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook or at sarahjefford.com.